Direct mail is all about momentum and consistency. There is a magic to the fourth month of direct mail campaigns, guys. You can argue with me or you can look at the data that I can show you, but I'm telling you that you, you need about three months. I'm not saying you can't have lightning, mm -hmm. but more often than not, you've got to mail something three times and something happens right around that fourth time. The magic happens. Momentum takes over. But if you stop, the momentum stops. Mm -hmm. You've got to start all over again. So whatever you do, be consistent with your mail. And once you have momentum, don't break that momentum. Keep it going. Hey, y'all coming at you with the, the uh, third episode in our direct mail series here at Carrot. Now, we've got an amazing series for you. If you haven't had a chance to hear the first two with our friend and direct mail expert, Todd Swaggerty, uh, make sure you go listen to those because we start way at the beginning of direct mail. I uh, talk about the overall strategy. We talk about what can your direct mail pieces look like? What is he seeing in results with all the clients he's working with? And we also wanted to bring on another point of view, but also an expert that goes deeper and deeper on the strategy, the metrics, the really like insanely strategic stuff. I was bringing Christina Krause for this. I want to introduce you guys to Christina here in a second. Uh, Christina has been at Carrot Camp. She's been in my mastermind that, that uh, Patrick and I have been hosting for years and years. Um, and also she was on our last Market Leader Summit, uh, the first one that we did. So uh, we've had a chance to really see what Christina does in, their, in her business at Postal Impact. Um, and she has another, another company that also works with uh, real estate investors with their virtual lead managers. So without further ado, Christina, welcome on the Direct Mail series. Thank you. I always, always, always love talking to you. Awesome. So uh, before we hit record, one thing that I was mentioning to you is we've put out a lot of content over the years about online marketing. And there's a little bit of content we put out about direct mail. And we were starting to get a lot of questions coming in and, and a good man, a good about amount of traffic and leads coming in that were looking for direct mail. And of course, we don't do direct mail here at Carrot, uh, but we have a ton of customers who do. And we always advocate for, and I know you too, a, a well-rounded marketing uh, mix. And yeah. I think if anyone does just SEO or just BPC, uh, that can work great for you, but you're likely missing a whole swath of the market that direct mail or some other marketing methods can tap into. So the reason we're doing this for everybody that's listening, they're saying, why is Carrot, uh, the online marketing guys talking about direct mail? It's because if you do both good offline marketing and good online marketing together, they amplify each other. And if you're doing offline marketing and not tightening up the online side of it and building trust and authority, you're definitely leaving a lot of money on the table and your direct mail isn't working as good as it could if you don't follow our online marketing stuff. So we're going to dive in, Christina, but before we do, why don't you let people know who you are and why, why do I have you on this call? Like, what, what's your expertise and who do you work with? <laughs> All right. Um, you mentioned virtual lead managers, but most people who know us uh, know us by Postal Impact. Postal Impact is a data and analytic-driven lead gen uh, company. Uh, we do lead gen for real estate investors all over the nation, uh, and combined with that, we also handle their direct mail marketing campaigns, which is why oftentimes I'm asked to speak about direct mail. We represent millions of pieces of mail per month 
uh, on behalf of our clients. We're not a mail house. That's really important distinction. What we are is we are a company that kind of handles the entire direct mail marketing campaign for a client. Everything from generating the lead to overseeing the actual direct mail, because everybody knows that most of the time what upends a direct mail campaign is the lack of consistency uh, and the being methodical about it. So we bring that to the table. Um, I, I know we're going to get into it because one of the things that I think that we do that I, I'm not aware of anybody else in the industry that does, we track that data all the way through the sales pipeline. So not just as the mail gets sent, what's the response rate, what's the net lead rate, but within the companies, within the companies of our clients, we're also tracking that data all the way through their sales pipeline so that we can ultimately determine um, how are you converting leads that are sent with letters versus postcards? Or how do you convert this lead type versus that lead type all the way through that pipeline? Um, so at the end of the day, what we really are is an analytical company. We love jumping into the numbers to understand why something works. If a postcard works better, why is it working better? Um, I'll make this point uh, for Carrot because a lot of our clients are, are, are also uh, carrot clients and this is why I think it's important that you are talking about direct mail we are seeing a huge increase right now in online conversion mm -hmm. where we're sending out mail pieces for our clients sellers are finding their way to people's websites so mm -hmm. you're gonna start to see a shift in marketing where branding is starting to become a little bit more important than it's been in the past where people are uh, a little bit more savvy they're getting that postcard and now they're looking up online to see if you have a website uh, that makes them feel a little bit more comfortable about how viable of a company you are your credibility we're seeing a lot of that Trevor I recall a client just recently where we were looking at their last 10 deals and out of the last 10 deals that they did leads that were generated and mailed by us six of them converted in with somebody coming in another way they received the mm. postcard but then they looked something up came in another way so we're actually uh, uh, suggesting to our clients right now to even go back to possibly putting their websites on their mm. creative when at one time uh, the data didn't prove that that was helpful now we're seeing the shift and this is why it's so important to jump into like the data and analytics of what you do so that you can actually see what's working and what's not and that's such a big deal, Christina, because I know people will be at a real estate event or a mastermind, or they'll read an article or they'll look in a bigger pockets thread and someone will say, oh, and, you know, don't, don't put in this example, don't put a, your website on your direct mail. It doesn't work because they heard someone say that two years ago, three years ago. And without looking at the data, which we're going to dive into what real estate investors and agents can follow the same model too, but what you guys can and should be doing to make sure that you're putting your marketing dollars in the spots that are working not just taking someone's word for it on bigger pockets or someone's word for it at a mastermind where they don't have the data behind it either. And yep. to kind of double down on what you were saying about your offline marketing, creating online demand, that's something we've been seeing for years and years and years. And we got a little bit of pushback early on from people. But now, like you're saying, the data is showing that, well, we're in the trust economy. You know, it's not just about how can you get something in front of people. Now people see that they have a lot of different options. They're getting possibly multiple mailing pieces. They might be seeing other ads or whatever it is. And now real estate agents are also kind of starting to come into that game where they're doing the iBuyer thing. And so they know that there's options. And they start to go, okay, cool, I got this thing, this, this postcard, this letter. It looks like they have a solution to my problem. Now let me go research them. And that's where the, it's kind of a yin to the yang. So let's dive into the content now on, on what you do. I know um, when, when we're talking with Todd, 
they have one approach to direct mail. And one of the reasons we wanted to bring on you is not just the data side, that's the main part of it, but also you have a little bit of a different approach to what your mailing pieces look like. How do you get them open? And we wanted to bring on both sides because I know even on the online marketing side, there's a mass approach of how do you do Facebook ads and this and that. But then there's the approach of how do you really personalize the heck out of it and make it really stand out so someone uh, is going to jump in. So when you guys are doing direct mail, Christina, what do you focus on when you're going to be putting together a mailing piece or a campaign uh, with your real estate investors? Do you choose certain designs? What are the kind of the standards you guys, you guys look for? Yeah, this is such a great question. I love talking about this stuff because normally we're doing it, but I don't get to talk about it very much. So cool. when we're mailing for someone, we're normally mailing out a, a really large amount because we need the data. We're, you know, we're going into a territory or a county and we're typically mailing out 25,000 pieces of mail. Mm -hmm. All right. It doesn't necessarily have to be that amount, but that's ideal. Um, the way that we approach that is 90% of the list is going to get postcards. The other 10% of the list is going to get a really high end physically handwritten mailer. We can jump mm -hmm. into the specifics of what we know is working. Um, and then we, tr again, we track that all the way through the pipeline. What, the way that we determine what gets letters versus postcards, okay, is once again, we use data to identify what tends to be the highest value leads. You know, we segment them. We're a very specialty lead-driven uh, company. So, you know, divorce, lease pendants, probate, um, financial distress. So, you know, if you, if, if, for those of you that are watching, if you think about your business and you think about in the past the leads that – uh, generated the, the best deals for you and, and you're trying to determine how do I test this, I would go for your highest value leads first mm. and mail those, you know, the letters. And again, what we're going to do is we're not just going to be arbitrary about this. We're going to test it. So we send 90% postcards, we send 10% letters, and then we track that data through the sales pipeline to determine not only uh, the difference that it makes in the response rate, the number of calls that you get, but way more importantly, people, you have to ask better questions. People always stop at response rate. We need to know what's the net lead rate, how many of the people that have responded actually have a home and are not just take me off your list, okay? So at least 50% of your calls should be people that actually have a home to sell. Okay. Um, and then um, from that, how are you booking appointments? We almost always find that uh, you book a higher percentage of appointments and you close a higher percentage of deals for people that receive letters versus postcards, okay. but you won't know that until you track that. So how, how would you suggest that, that the average investor or agent in, the, in this case uh, track that? Is there a certain spreadsheet? I, I know when we've done other trainings with you, and we'll link up those other uh, episodes that we've done with you because you've shown spreadsheets, you've shown screenshots of stuff. At Carrot Camp, you, sh you showed screenshots of, hey, here's the specific um, you know, response rates and close rates and ROI and all of these different types of lists and different types of letters. What do you suggest people do to track that? Yep. Okay. So a lot of people get hung up here. If you have any kind of CRM or lead management system, mm -hmm. these are things that that should be able to do for that, 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 that system should be able to do for you. There's so many systems out there that I'm not going to get into the specifics of the system, but pretty much any CRM, if you set it up properly and you set up a call center that should feed into your CRM, literally when the call comes in, it should automatically create a lead for you in your CRM. Mm -hmm. And there should be some tracking uh, within that CRM already built in. Now, for those of you that don't have a lead management system, 
A, I suggest that you get one because it's really important to manage those leads properly and to keep mm. track of them properly. But the worst case scenario, guys, if you're a, you know, a, a newer investor, or you're not sending out so much that you don't feel like you need a system, you don't have to have an actual system, Guys, you can tick this. You could literally have a piece of paper and you can tick mark this, okay? Mm. So a response is you're saying, I sent out 100 pieces of mail. You're going to track how many people call as a result of that mailer. That determines your response rate and make sure that you're tracking unique callers because you're going to get people that call back multiple times. Mm -hmm. You really don't want to count those duplicates, honestly. You want to just make sure that these are all unique calls. Again, if you have a CRM, it'll automatically do this for you. But you're going to tick anybody that calls, even if they're calling to say, I can't stand your guts, take me off your list. Mm -hmm. That's still a response. You've gotten yep. somebody to respond in some way. Okay. So let's stick there. That's the response rate. The industry standard still hovers around a half a percent. Okay. So when you hear people talking about, I'm getting a 6% response rate on this mailer, just know that when they're saying that they're talking about probably one or two males and a really specific small list mm. that is not a sustainable result over time. So don't fall into that trap, guys. If you're sending out thousands of pieces of mail, the likelihood that you're going to have a 2-3% response rate that's sustained over time on a postcard is very small. Okay. I'm, 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 I'm just telling you, st statistically, it's almost impossible. All mm -hmm. right, so you need a at least a half a percent response rate is what you're looking at on a postcard. Your net lead rate is anyone that does not say, take me off your list. Okay. okay. So please make sure that you are not dead leading people that call in and say, yes, I have a home, but I'm not interested in selling. That's still a lead guys. Those are leads that you should be putting into some kind of follow-up sequence because they can turn into leads later. Okay. okay. 60 to 70% of your leads are going to come and follow up. So now you're ticking. The first tick is, did they call? The second tick is, did they have a home to sell? So mm. what's your opt-out rate, right? Your opt-outs mm -hmm. are just people who say, don't ever call me again. Yep. Everybody else is considered a lead. That should be at least 50% of your calls. At least 50% of your calls should be net leads. Okay. okay. The other important metric is your appointment booking rate. And guys, if I compare you to the best of the best in the industry, you should be booking at least 30% of your net leads as appointments. Mm -hmm. So if you have 10 net leads, your goal should be to book at least three of those leads as an appointment. Okay. Okay. Aggressively yeah. book appointments. You need to get in front of those people, even if it doesn't seem that they're overly motivated. Mm. The other metric that I want you to track is your contract to appointment rate. Mm -hmm. So of your appointments, again, if I compare you to the top dogs in the industry, at least 10% of those appointments that you go on should be being booked as a deal. Okay. Okay. Yep. So those are the four main things that you should be tracking in your mail campaign. Those are the four main metrics. And you can do this on a piece of paper if you have to. Don't mm -hmm. let the lack of a CRM stop you from doing that. It's really important that you do that. So with, with your, with your, um, your direct mail pieces, are you doing a different tracking phone number for your, let's say your, your handwritten letter and your postcard? Are you getting even more granular where you're doing different tracking phone numbers by list probate by, by 
Yep, that's yeah. a great okay. question. And cool. absolutely. And guys, this is well worth the investment of doing it. I'm going to do a YouTube video on mm -hmm. this because um, I think it's really important and it's easy to do, but it sounds complicated. So we assign a separate, we use a company, there's any number of companies that you can use to assign mm -hmm. phone numbers that you can have all of those phone numbers go to one phone. Okay. okay. But if you have a lead management system or a CRM, what you can do is you can say say you have 10 phone numbers and you're going to assign a different phone number for each lead type so if you have you know divorce let's say you're mailing divorce probate and lease pendants you're going to have three separate numbers okay but if you're also sending some of those postcards and some of those letters you want to have a separate number for that too that makes it sound complicated now you've got six phone numbers for three different lead types but the beauty of doing this guys is that if you do that and you have a CRM, literally that's all you have to do. Mm. And then your system will automatically track your results for you yep. and spit it out to you in some really nice clean report. So it's just a matter of setting up those phone numbers and then getting it done. Like I said, I'm, I'm going to have to put something out there that shows how easy it is to do this. It sounds like it's complicated. It's not. If you assign a different phone number for each lead type, and the different creative type that you're using, it gets really easy for you to track your data and see what's actually working and what's not. Sweet, I love it. So guys, make sure you're tracking the data and, and reverse back in this and listen to what Christina said where she's sending out postcards and a handwritten letter, 10% handwritten letter, 90% postcards. Um, and and we'll, we'll wrap the kind of discussion on the creative here and then we'll move over to some other things. But with the creative on the postcard as an example, is there a certain type of postcard, a certain size, anything like that that you, you're finding works best in general? Um, same thing with a hand, handwritten letter. Uh, or, or is it a handwritten letter? Is it a typed letter, professional? Kind of what are you seeing right now in the market work best? Yep. Okay. So what we're seeing works best right now, and again, guys, this can change. Everything mm -hmm. changes all the time. Yep. But right now, sim the simplicity of message is key. You've got to catch somebody's attention like within the first two, three seconds that they pick that up. So we make it as clean as possible. One side states what we're looking to do. You know, it might, one side might say, um, uh, are some, some people go, are you interested in selling? And then there's the address or mm -hmm. we'd like to buy the address. The other side has a little bit about what you do, who you are, what you do, but you want to keep it as simple as possible. Okay. I'm not saying that there are some of you out there that have really, really, really verbose postcards and that works for you and that's great. Again, this is why tracking data is so important. And if you really want to get into it, split it. Um, yep. We literally have some clients who send two postcards to the same person every single month hmm. and then track which one is getting the response by finding uh, gotcha. cool. a different phone number. It's very, very cool. But overall, what we're finding right now, guys, is as, as few words as possible keep keep your wording down mm -hmm. state what you do state what you can you know what uh what the objective is and what you need for them to do it's usually a phone call and then be done mm -hmm. as far as the letters are concerned for sure i, I i'll just mention this quickly because i think most people know this by now um a first class stamp all the way 
Yep. Um, I would not, I really don't suggest, and we test this over and over, but I don't suggest the live bulk stamps mm. um, uh, because they don't post market anymore. If I had some examples, I would show it to you, but it's very distinguishable as a marketing piece guys, because when somebody gets that letter, there's no postmark over that stamp. Mm -hmm. So it's kind of almost immediately identified. People kind of know what that bulk post uh, postal stamp looks like now. So what we do is we use either a, two or A7 invitation style envelopes. Mm -hmm. The ones that people almost always respond to best guys are the crafty kind that have that um, fiber that, that you can see in it that almost gotcha. looks like a brown bag envelope. Mm -hmm. For whatever the reason, people respond very, very well to those envelopes. We physically hand, we have a human being physically handwrite the address on the front of our envelopes. Mm -hmm. We also find that if you can find envelopes that have, it's called a Euro flap, um, a pointed flap versus a flat flap. Gotcha. The reason for that is that <laughs> if you can get a sticker to seal the back of that envelope, we find that that has a really big impact on people opening it instead <laughs> of wet sealing the back gotcha. of the envelope. What we think, I mean, part of this is speculation, right? But what we think uh, happens is that it's just super easy for people to, slide their finger under and pull that up mm -hmm. and it just increases your response rate on yeah. that stuff it lowers resistance Low lowers yeah resistance. it lowers resistance that's a a, a more a, that's a, a more elegant way to say that no you're good one, one thing i want to want to build upon too uh, that christina mentioned guys and gals is to have the postcards or the letters have as few words as possible make the point but then get them to take the next step and that question will come up on the online side of things where some people say man there's too many words in the websites and uh, we're data people too. So like Christina, we've tested the heck out of them. A website's a little bit of a different dynamic because at that point, they're, they're solution aware. Hey, they're aware that there's a solution to sell, but now they're digging in to go, hey, how does this work? Who are these people? Are these people legit? Let me dive in. They're in exploration mode at that point. So your website is the thing that needs to have a lot of really robust content to build authority. Let them click around. Every page should be a conversion page and then retarget them back on Facebook um, once they land there. That So your direct mail, your website and Facebook all play hand in hand together. So um, I, I want people to make sure that they're thinking about the journey of that seller, mm. not just thinking that, oh my gosh, few words is the strategy. That's what we, what we should apply to everything. No, that applies to this because of the very specific purpose it's trying to pull, which is grab attention. Here's what we can do. Here's your next step. And then when they're ready to research, that's when your website's going to be a massive, massive tool for you guys. That makes so much mm -hmm. sense too. Like mm -hmm. once they make the step to go to your website, like you said, they are in research mode. It's not mm -hmm. attention. It's not an attention grab as you're flipping through a bunch of mail. Now, now you want to create that credibility with content. Mm. So a couple questions. So let, let's say they've got the, peel, the, the piece, they've sent it out, they have the tracking set up, uh, 25,000 pieces goes out or five or you know, whatever it is. How, how, do you, how do they know when to shift ad spend or, or, or spend on their direct mail? How do they know when to double down on certain things uh, and go deeper? Yeah. Okay. So this is what we do with our clients. And I suggest that people do it. We, I don't suggest sending out 25,000 pieces in perpetuity. Okay. Mm -hmm. What we're doing when we send out mail is as people respond, we're studying the people who are responding to that mailer, mm. right? We're, we're identifying um, what are the common characteristics of the people that are responding? What do their homes look like? 
what are their circumstances. The purpose of doing that, all right, uh, and we do that, by the way, at every step, right? We are studying the people who respond. We're studying the people who are actually potential sellers. We're studying the people who we actually book appointments with. Because as you begin to filter this information down, it will tell you which lists are your highest value lists. Hmm. The beauty of understanding that is if you can identify what's the 20 to 30% of your list where 70 to 80% of your yield is coming from. And you can also justify the fact that I make more money if I send a letter. Hmm. Now you're not trying to send out 25,000 letters. You've honed your list down now to two, 3,000 now it's so much more reasonable to spend a little bit more money grabbing the attention of the people that you know are the highest value people. Mm. So that's why that's really important to study that. Yep. Um, and that's how you get granular with your lists. You cast a little bit of a wide net at first and invest in your company to figure out you know, who your motivated sellers are in your area. Once you've identified that information, you can justify spending the money to retarget them in different ways. And guys and gals, I want to same thing, relate this to other marketing as well, because uh, oftentimes what we'll do on PPC, not every time, depends on the size of the market, but on PPC, oftentimes we'll go broad, see which keywords are working, kill the ones that are, and then and then go really narrow on the ones that are. So um, guys, it's the same, same type of marketing method. I want you guys to think about marketing, not about direct mail marketing, not about PPC, not about SEO. How do you do effective marketing? And now how do I apply that to the media that's going to get me in front of people? And that's what Christine is really great at with the offline side of things. So uh, KPIs, we already talked a little bit about KPIs. Are there any other KPIs like ROI percentage you're aiming for? I mean, you gave the main ones there, but what else are you guys looking yep. for to know, hey, these are our, our thresholds. These are kind of standards or benchmarks that we're looking for. Yep. So the obvious one, especially when you're comparing, because I'm a very bit, big advocate of having at least three different methods of marketing, whether it's mm -hmm. direct mail and PPC and Facebook or whatever it is that you do. Okay. But I am not saying that you are going to spend the unequal amount of money in each of those categories. That's going to shift and change. So one of the things that's important for you to track is cost per lead. All right. So, and, and that's a pretty easy metric, right? Once you know what you've spent and you take the number of net leads that you are getting from each of those marketing spends, it'll tell you, okay, in direct mail, I'm spending $235. With my website, I'm spending $42. With this, I'm spending, and that will allow you to shift your budget. Don't eliminate, I do, I am not an advocate for figuring out that PPC is working for you right now. So eliminate everything but PPC, mm -hmm. not an advocate of that. Yep. But I might be an advocate of saying, throw, more of your weight against this thing that happens to be working until it's not working anymore. Mm -hmm. And then, you know, as the data tells you, shift your spend that way. So that's a that's an important metric. The other thing that's really important um, for you to track is um, the, the well, cost per lead, then cost per deal, yep. um, because conversion is everything. Mm -hmm. everything you've got to look at what's converting not just what are people responding to but what's converting not just so that you know um, like where your highest conversion comes from but another thing that that's going to tell you is what is your team good at converting and weak at converting not so that you can I, I think you should focus on what you're good at doing but your team might need to brush up on their sales skills when it comes to outward facing marketing versus inward facing marketing those are the things that it tells you another really important thing just to, to speak specifically to direct mail 
when you're looking at postcards versus letters, what most people do is they say, if a letter costs four times more than a postcard, then my response rate has to be four times mm. as high in order for it to justify the spend. And mm. that is not true. You need to ask a better <laughs> question. The better question on that is, how, do I, how does that convert through the pipeline? Yep. So what we normally find is that a letter is almost always going to have a higher response rate than a postcard. It's not normally going to be four times, though. It might only be two to two and a half. That's probably more average or two, somewhere between two and three percent higher. Mm. But what we do find, and this is why you have to track it all the way through the pipeline, is that the um, convert on that appointment booking rate is significantly higher and closed deals is significantly higher on letters. And this is a really interesting metric that we uh, determined about a year ago. Generally speaking, the profitability on deals that come from letters versus postcards is $3,200, about $3,200 higher. The reason we think is just simply that just because you send somebody four postcards doesn't mean they're going to respond to the fourth postcard. That's why you can't use the metric of saying, if the letter costs four times as much, if I just send four postcards, it's worth it. No, because the likelihood that the person who responded to the letter was ever going to respond to your first or your 100th postcard is slim. Mm. They responded to the letter because that's the method that resonated with them. And because so few people send letters anymore, the competition for those people is so much less than the competition with postcards. Mm -hmm. So those people don't have hundreds of people throwing offers at them. They might only have two or three people. So you can normally get a negotiate a higher price mm. than, you know, the people who are only always getting postcards. Here, here's one thing that's really interesting too, Christina, is, as we found when, when you do, and, and guys and guys, I'm going to keep on relating this to other marketing because I want to show you guys, this is not just, Hey, how do I get great at direct mail? How do I get great at SEO? It's how do I become a great marketer and now leverage this mm -hmm. in, other, in, in other mediums is um, we found that when you're able to make, make a really build authority and credibility on your website, your lead to close ratio actually massively increases. Carter Steph is a good example uh, one of the largest home buyers in Oklahoma, in the largest home buyer in Oklahoma City, uh, just by moving over to Carrot on the concierge side, his lead to close ratio almost doubled. Uh, so he was closing way more of those leads into deals because the website pre-framed the, the, the relationship more. With the letter versus the direct mail uh, or versus the, the postcard, that might be one of those things. Maybe having the letter in there, just a little bit more of a professional feel to it, maybe a little bit more words in the letter, possibly uh, building a better connection, possibly, I'm not sure. That might be pre-framing that relationship that much that much better for that type of lead. So guys, make sure you're pre-framing those relationships well with your marketing and letters can do a great job at that. And like Christina mentioned earlier, really see if you can't hone in your highest, um, your highest value type of lead towards the letter, which is going to be going to bring you guys your best result. For sure. So what do you, what are the biggest mistakes you see people making, Christina? So we've kind of talked about what you guys do on the, on the design of, of the, the postcard and the, and the letter, what you guys do for KPIs and tracking about what you guys do for, Hey, how do we start to go out into a market then hone in? But what are some of the mistakes you, you see people making often? One you mentioned earlier, you alluded to, and we talked about before we hit record was salespeople um, being trained well to handle inbound and outbound leads well because they're completely different types of leads. Let's talk about that, but any other mistakes you see popping up? 
Yeah. All right. So let's touch first on that specific thing. Uh, and this is again, why I really don't suggest you only have one method of marketing, even mm -hmm. if you've identified something that's working ideally for you right now, your salespeople are going to get very accustomed. If you only do one type of marketing to handling that type of lead and all leads are not created equally and they don't come to you uh, the same way. So um, PPC has been popular. It's, it's, it's decreasing in popularity just because of it's starting to become uh, less predictable um, and more expensive. But for so long, PPC was kind of the low hanging fruit. I still consider it the low hanging fruit of, mm -hmm. um, of leads. And the reason for that is because if you're doing PPC, ultimately the people that are coming to you, they're raising their hand. Mm -hmm. You somehow resonated with them and that's great. I'm not knocking it, but they're coming to you and saying, hey, I have a home that I want to sell. All that really has to be negotiated are terms. Yep. You're not trying to introduce a concept to them. They're raising their hand and they're coming to you. Mm -hmm. If your salespeople get really used to only getting their deals via things like MLS, auctions, PPC, okay, they're going to get a false sense of how uh, effective they are as salespeople. I'm telling you, it would happen to me and it would happen to you too. It's not their fault. If you get used to killing a certain kind of animal, then you convince yourself that you're a good hunter at anything. Yep. And that's just not true. Mm -hmm. You know, you might be a really good hunter at this. And then when something else gets thrown at you, I call that outward facing marketing. Mm -hmm. When you're going direct to seller and you're saying you're trying to grab the attention of someone and um, I don't want to say convince them to sell, but it's just a completely different kind of conversation. Cannot tell you how many times we work with people who have massive salespeople that are only used to handling a certain type of lead. We start a direct mail campaign and their salespeople don't know what to do. They're like, these people aren't interested in selling. And we're like, well, yeah, they kind of are, but it's not the same. They're like, they don't want to talk to me. They don't, they need to be convinced. They have a lot of questions. And it's, it's really, really important that you get both inward and outward facing marketing going, not just so that your people become good at doing it, but also so that, because I've seen really good salespeople ruined. Mm. And I mean it. Like they'll, they'll, I've seen people quit big companies because they go, man, if you're going to start throwing leads at me that aren't even valuable leads, I don't even want to work for you anymore. Yep. They're not, not valuable leads. They've just gotten so used to a certain type of lead that they just, you know, they, it's, it's almost like they can't handle it. Mm. Mm. Um, so there's that. So that's, you know, one of, it is a big mistake that I see people make is not having enough of a variety of lead types and effectively training your people how to handle each type of thing. Texting is another big one. There's a whole nuance and a whole um, uh, technique to texting now. How do you develop rapport via text? That's a whole new technique too. These are all investments that you have to make in your company. You have to understand that there's a growing period, just like a carrot website, just like a, a, a direct mail campaign with me. You gotta be willing to put the work in for a few months, figure it out, and then deploy your resources. Mm -hmm. um, the other big mistakes, the, the obvious one ob is, of course, with direct mail is just a lack of consistency. Yep. Direct mail is all about momentum and consistency. There is a magic to the fourth month of direct mail campaigns, guys. You can argue with me or you can look at the data that I can show you, but I'm telling you that you, you need about three months. I'm not saying you can't have lightning 
Mm-hmm. But more often than not, you've got to mail something three times and something happens right around that fourth time. The magic happens. Momentum takes over. But if you stop, the momentum stops. Mm-hmm. You've got to start all over again. So whatever you do, be consistent with your mail. And once you have momentum, don't break that momentum. Keep it going. Do whatever you have to do internally to make sure that you have the ability to handle the leads that are coming in. Because most of the time, people stop mail campaigns for a good reason, which is I have so many leads, I can't handle them. I hear that all the time. Well, figure out how to handle them. But don't stop marketing because then you're going to get yourself into trouble, you know, so keep, be consistent with your marketing. Other major area of missed opportunity I find in direct mail and probably any lead type, but especially with direct mail is zero follow up. Mm. Okay. So when people come in and you don't get that immediate kill and you don't get that deal, guys, you have to have some kind of system in place that continually follows up with your website leads, with your direct mail leads, with any lead that does not immediately convert. You've gotta have some kind of follow-up system. 60 to 70% of your deals should be coming in follow-up 30 or more days after the initial point of contact with client. You mm-hmm. gotta follow up on those leads, gotta do it. So we, I can't remember if it, if it was with you or on a different interview. Guys, talking about follow-up here. So I was uh, working with a client of ours, Alex Pardo in Miami. And we were partnering on some deals and it was almost two years after this lead came in and it was an online lead, uh, but it was almost two years later, he texts me and says, Hey, what's your wire information? I was like 18 months. What's your wire information? That deal on blah, blah, blah street finally closed. So they went and they talked with the seller. The deal actually fell through and then they kept on following up. And I don't know exactly what their follow-up process was, but I know that there was email, text, and phone mixed in. What was the cadence? I don't know. We've talked about it on previous interviews with you, Christina, what your suggested cadence is. Guys, check out those links, those other resources below here. But email, text, and a phone call is is a big deal. And make sure you are following up because uh, same thing, Really, even really smart marketers forget about this, uh, where uh, we have concierge level clients who I love them to death, but we're driving them traffic. And they're like, hey, these aren't closing. These aren't closing. We'd go look and see what their follow-up process was. And they didn't have hardly anything, especially post 30 days. That's and so right. you put together a follow-up sequence on, on all those leads that, that didn't close three months out, six months out, 12 months out. You're probably going to be pulling in deals. And then all of a sudden, your direct mail is going to start, oh my gosh, look how profitable this is. Yeah, I didn't and, uh, the reason why we get into this and, got, have, and started the company Virtual Lead Managers, it was self-preservation, man. Because, mm-hmm. you know, I can't tell you how many times people go, this doesn't work. Mm-hmm. These leads don't work. And then we would look at all the things that got sent out and say, well, somebody bought the house. So mm-hmm. it worked for somebody, yep. you know. So at the end of the day, guys, it's about building the right ecosystem, not just from marketing, because that's really important. Mm. I cannot tell you how important it is to have that website when you're doing direct mail and PPC. It's an ecosystem. People are really smart anymore. So they're looking at all of the places of your business and you've got to find a way to um, speak to each person because a different voice is going to resonate with Mm -hmm. everybody. You know, some people are going to, you're going to get the sale right from the postcard. That's great. But then some people are going to need follow-up or some people are going to need to go to a website and say, oh, I like that. I like how, I like the culture of that. Okay. I'll fill out this form. Mm -hmm. It's an ecosystem. You've got to build it. You've got to be willing to build a business. 
Uh, so we're going to wrap it up right now, Christina. I know there's things we could talk about all day long for direct mail. And guys, we have other resources. Like I said, check out the interview that we did with Christina on our uh, Market Leader Summit. Check out one of the other podcasts we've done with her where she goes deeper into some of these topics. And I think the biggest thing is, now I want everyone to take away from this whole direct mail series is yes, we are online marketing people here at Carrot, but we feel that all things eventually lead to online, eventually because of the research phase that people have. All your offline marketing uh, drives online demand. But here's the thing, guys. Inbound marketing, which is what we focus in on, does get your highest motivated, um, oftentimes highest margin deals. But here's the deal. It's a small part of the pie, okay? Now, to, in, 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 order, in order to activate more of the people that aren't really act, out, out there searching for things yet, that's where you're going to have your outbound marketing come in and activate people who aren't searching yet. And they're going to get, be getting in front of people who are searching and, and, and it's going to be getting in front of them at that, at that perfect time. So direct mail, outbound marketing is a critical part if you want to scale especially. We have a lot of people who are doing really, really good with just online marketing. But in order to scale well up into the seven-figure range for sure, you've got to get some sort of offline marketing in there, guys and gals, because the online side will be hard in most markets to scale into the seven-figure market if that's what you're looking for. Scale for sure with your offline and direct mail is such an amazing way to do it. No matter what people say, I don't think direct mail is going away anytime soon. Uh, and and uh, People were saying direct mail is going away 20 years ago. I remember that, but... I actually love getting direct mail. Historically, direct mail is the most effective uh, method of uh, deal acquisition. Historically, that's true. And mm -hmm. it actually just recently overt uh, overtook RBM again. Like mm -hmm. we yep. just experienced the last couple of months, we just experienced a huge conversion uh, or a huge uptick in conversion on direct mail. So direct mm -hmm. mail is not going anywhere. And, and it makes total sense too, Christina, because I know there, there are studies that show even the younger demographic, like Gen Y, Gen Z or whatever, they actually love mail because they don't get a lot of it. And I know for me, I love mail. I don't get a ton of junk mail uh, like like maybe my parents did 20 or 30 years ago. So my mailbox is cram, cram full of stuff and I can filter through things really quick. And that's the importance of knowing, hey, what are the things that are not going to get filtered that someone's going to open? Christina talked about how to do some of that. Todd talked about their methods there. And then how do you make sure to track it? So Christina, before we take off, is there anything else that's popping in your mind that people should know uh, before they venture out and do direct mail or if they're currently doing direct mail and, and they're not getting the result they want? Is there anything that, you, that people should know or resources we should drive them towards? You know, I'm going to leave with kind of a little bit of an oddball tip because it mm -hmm. came into my mind while you were saying it. One of the most effective things that as a company we do to determine um, uh, you know, what creative we're going to use or what color postcard we're going to use or letter is we will send it to ourselves and our employees mm -hmm. with the intent of having you rifle through your mail, mm -hmm. your own mail and see how something hits you. I know that sounds weird, but I swear there's something really interesting that happens when you go that did catch my attention or that didn't catch my attention. Mm -hmm. So do that. You know, because very likely what's going to catch your attention as you're rifling through your mail. And that's really important. You want to send it to yourself. There's something about looking through something to go, that did grab my attention. Or, you know what, that didn't. So something when you're looking at it on a computer screen might be like, oh, I think that looks good. But then when you're flicking through, you're like, ah, I could have taken that or left it. Try that. Try that. You know, and it'll it. kind of excite you. It'll, it'll increase your excitement because you'll be like, oh, I want to, I know I'd send that to myself. I still want to open that thing. That's when you know you've got gold. 
Oh, I absolutely love it. Love it. So guys, guys, go to carrot.com forward slash mail, carrot.com forward slash mail. That's where you can find the rest of the series and the other resources with it. Share it up with your friends, your colleagues, people that are working at your company. And Christina, where can people find you? Where can they follow you? Learn more about what you do if they want to uh, work through professional to do direct mail. Yeah, either postal impact, uh, com, virtual lead managers.com. Either one of those will be fine for finding us and then check out some of the stuff that we have. We're um, really starting to uh, try to um, disseminate a lot of the insight that we have, uh, the business insight we have uh, via you know, Facebook and YouTube. So be on the lookout for that stuff because we're going to start pushing that stuff out there too, just to try to help get some information out there that'll help you build nice, good, strong businesses. I love it. Christine, thanks for joining us here on our Carrot University series in direct mail. And uh, we'll talk soon. Guys and gals, dive into the other series in our Carrot University on pay-per-click and SEO and the rest of the series on direct mail. Love it. See you guys. Thank you.